Hello, everyone, and welcome to tonight's edition of the Draft Countdown Podcast. I'm your co-host, Brian Bosarge, as always, my co-host, Shane P. Hallam. Shane, we are 224 days, 22 hours, 59 minutes, and 41 seconds away from the 2023 NFL Draft. We are. We, we had an exciting week, a week full of upsets. Uh, we both had some interesting games on our docket, so I'm excited to talk about them. And, you know, Brian, I held back. I thought about maybe waving the terrible towel at the start as we came <laughs> in, but I, I thought, you know, I want to be a little respectful to you uh, this week, so I decided not to. I was unaware the NFL started playing last week, Shane. <laughs> I did not know that that was an event that took place. But Look, uh, anytime we, the Steelers or Bengals lose, we can just ignore it. That's what we'll yeah, do. Yeah, that, that, that's we'll do that. We, we, we will probably briefly touch on the NFL in a little bit. But uh want to ask anybody who is in the chat or following along on Twitter or in our Discord, uh, which the Discord link is in the uh, comment section here, uh, ask us a question. We will answer those later on in the episode. And here's the Discord link there. Uh, Actually, I don't know if that does any good or not because I don't think you can click it. So, yeah, but yeah, anyway. type it in; it'll be fine. Yeah, there you go. Join the Discord. Uh, you can do that directly from the uh, homepage of DraftCountdown.com uh, as well. But uh, Shane, um, some headlines this week. Uh, you briefly touched on the upsets in college football, and uh, I feel like you know I started writing about the Sun Belt Conference every Saturday. It's motivated these guys, and the Sun Belt has just gone all crazy. Three upsets over, you know. Well, I guess Notre Dame's technically not a Power Five team, but uh, big big programs there. Marshall goes into South Bend and beats Notre Dame. Not even, not just sneak by; they beat them. Appalachian State. I mean, you can't say anything other than they beat them up. 42 minutes of time of possession in that game for App State over the Aggies in the win there. Uh, and then Georgia Southern wins a shootout at Nebraska, gets Scott Frost fired, uh, which, I mean, well, they got him fired sooner. Actually, they did him a favor and got him another $7.5 million because uh, he if he got fired in three weeks, you know, the, his buyout would have went down. So, But a crazy week for the Sun Belt and, uh, you know, so, yeah. Fun games, and Alabama almost got beat. Ooh, that 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 game was had me on the edge of my seat, man. Uh, Bryce Young just just ice cold veins in that last play, getting the yardage he needed. But yeah, I mean Notre Dame going down uh, surprised me. After Ohio State, they played Ohio State so tough. I was like, okay, you know they have a good defense at least. They can run the football. Uh, I think they just lost all the gas, I guess in that game and, and didn't have it for Marshall, Tyler Buckner, the quarterback gets hurt. Um, so we'll, we'll, we'll see what happens with, uh, with Notre Dame moving forward, but, and, and Marshall, Rasheen Ali, they're running back. He just came back. He's coming back this week. He didn't even play. So <laughs> they have one of the top 10 running backs in the college football didn't even play and they beat Notre Dame. It's a wild to me. Now, uh, they're running back now, which I don't not think we have on our watch list, but was like an Uber driver or something a couple of years or last year or whatever. And then, you know, but was a former five-star uh, recruit. Uh, Coburn says, I feel like that's his uh, name. Yeah, yeah. Colin LeBourne, LeBourne. Uh, running back Not from Wendell. Yeah, I remember watching him in high school. Like, he, he was a monster in high school, went to Florida State and, you know, had some different issues. So he's – I think he's one of those rare, like, year seven guys, if I'm not mistaken. 
Not as rare as you think. <laughs> yeah, yeah, as you, you do on a watch list, right? 2017 recruiting class is that? Yeah. That's seven. Yeah. So, yeah. Well, we might have to add him in there. I don't know if I don't know if he'll make it in the NFL, but he he's playing no, well. No, no, no. 2016 recruiting class. Okay. Well, uh, 2017 it's only six or, years. Yeah. We're, yeah. We're, yeah. 2017 or six year players. Yeah. All right. Not, not bad. Um, yeah, so I mean, it's it was a great week for the Sun Belt Conference. Uh, congrats to those uh, those teams that pulled off the wins, and uh, look forward to watching a lot more Sun Belt football throughout the season. As I like I said, I've started writing about them almost every Saturday now. So uh, check that out. You can check that out coming up this Saturday. I'll be writing about the uh, players from Southern Miss uh, and their loss to Miami. Uh, several injuries this week to talk about, Shane, uh, involving some draft prospects. It was announced that uh, Arizona State defensive lineman Jermaine Lowell, the transfer from – or no, he transferred from Arizona State to Louisville, uh, will miss the season. Uh, he will not play. Uh, Arkansas safety Jalen Catalan has injured his other shoulder now and will miss the season. He missed most of last year with a sh- with a uh, injury to his other shoulder. And a pair of South Carolina players, uh, Mo Caba, an emerging linebacker prospect, uh, tore his ACL in the game against Arkansas. And Jordan Strawn, the uh, Georgia State edge rusher transfer from a couple of years ago, uh, six-year player, also tore his ACL in the game against Arkansas and will miss the rest of the year. Yeah, it's. I mean, look, it's, it's football. It happens, but you hate to see – players that may have may have gotten drafted or may have been the NFL get injured. Um, hopefully with some of the eligibility stuff, a lot of these guys can go back to school if they want and, uh, you know, kind of try again. But I don't know, I'd, I'd like to see just like no injury. If, if, if I could wave my magic wand for anything in football, it'd just be like end injuries. And just, I, I think it'd be so great. I guess the biggest of those players is going to be Catalan, right? As far as. Yeah. So. I, I mean, I thought he maybe had a first round shot with a good year. Now it's now what do you do when you're, especially at the safety position, that that can really hurt. Um, you know, he's he's a fourth year guy, so you don't you really want to go back for a fifth year. I think it's going to be a tough decision. Um, so we watched, we each watched like thanks seven games this week, and uh, there was some there was some good players we watched this week, Shane. Um, so we'll both look at an offense and a defensive player and, and I'll start on offense. And I know you've been a big fan of Alabama running back Jameer Gibbs and you tweeted out during the game that Jameer Gibbs is going to catch 80 balls in the NFL. And I wrote down in my notes, I think he's the best receiving prospect at running back that I've watched since David Johnson from Northern Iowa a few years ago, I was huge fan of him um and i love running backs that catch the football that's that's yeah. that's one of my top like go-to things when i'm when i'm rating running backs do they catch the football how well are they running routes can they pass block and it's almost like how do they run the ball it almost goes an afterthought to me sometimes and i have to stop myself but gibbs he can do that too and uh he didn't put up big running numbers against texas but catching the football. He was a stud. And uh, I, I can't wait to see more of him. I moved him up a little bit. Uh, I think I moved him up to RB3 on my board after this game. 
No, I mean, it's solid. I'm I'm obviously a big fan. He's my RB2. Uh, I think the kind of the weight and role is the only question. I don't know if he can be a bell cow guy. Um, but yeah, he he was Georgia Tech. Uh, you know, they did use him that way. So, yeah, catching the ball, man, he is, he is smooth. You could just line him up a receiver. I, I'm with you. I love, I love Jameer Gibbs. Uh, I think he's tremendous. My uh, my offensive player, I'm top player in my article was uh, Cedric Tillman, the wide receiver from Tennessee. Uh, we talked about him a little bit last week. I, yeah, I think people, there's starting to be a little bit of hype. He had a lot of production last year with Hendon Hooker, Tennessee. So I want to watch him because Pitt has a good defense. They have a good defensive line. Um, so that some of the passes Hooker threw weren't, you know, completely on target. He had he had to rush it a little bit. Um, they have a, probably a draftable safety, some corners that uh, are stepping in there pretty athletic. And, I mean, Cedric Tillman just made the pit secondary look look ridiculous. You know, hit nine catches, 162 yards. Um, he was – he was he had a step oftentimes on some of these corners. Like, a guy of his size – Press six two over two ten. I mean, just the explosiveness off the line and some of the quick feet in his routes really surprised me. I, he just gets open really well for his for his size. So you know, I was um, I was I was pretty surprised by that. As he, and he was a player I watched before and that I liked, but I didn't expect this. So um, yeah, he listed six three two fifteen. He moved up to my number six receiver in the class, which is. No, I mean, that's pretty good. Uh, we'll see if it sticks. But uh, he's fifth-year player. Tennessee's had a couple guys drafted, so I think Cedric Tillman's going to be going to be a good one. Yeah, I, he's a guy I haven't really watched yet. So I, uh, at some point, I'll get a Tennessee game in front of my eyeballs, and then I'll probably have a, a similar infatuation with Cedric Tillman. Uh, my best defensive player this week uh, didn't even play defense, I don't think, last year. And we kind of talked about him a little bit uh, as a week ago as well. Is Derek Parrish, the uh, former tight end fullback from Houston, now an edge rusher, and uh, pretty much went unblocked for the most part uh, in their game against Texas Tech. Four sacks in the game for uh, Parrish, uh, six tackles for loss, eight tackles total. Just a, a madman there. Uh, just completely abusing the, the the tackles for Texas Tech in that game. Uh, going to be undersized, about six two. I think he's two forty five. So he's not. He's going to have to be an NFL linebacker probably. I don't think he's going to be a defensive end at the next level. But I thought he could have. I think he could end up going in the similar draft range in that fourth fifth round area and have an impact similar uh, to what Max Crosby's had with. Uh, with the Raiders, just just that kind of just that kind of tenacity and, and speed around the edge to to impact plays. Um, but like I said, it's not something he's going to be able to do every down. Yeah, I, I I need to watch him. I mean, we had him listed at both positions in our yeah. you know before because uh, you know I I hadn't even seen that. So that I mean that conversion to have that type of player, you know what the NFL likes. Oftentimes he's only play the position one or two years, but have the athletic ability and the tenacity like that. They will draft you high. So that, that's a good one. Um, and my defensive player, it's tough to pick. Cause I think there were a couple good ones, um, but I'm going to go with a guy and you, you may have mentioned him last week, uh, but I know he was in your article from week one, 
And that's Tyler Lacey, the defensive lineman from Oklahoma State. Uh, I mean, blew me away uh, against Arizona State. Um, you know, very similar stat line to to week one. He had a sack, like clean penetration. Um, he, you know, he's big and he can he can move. He's explosive. Uh, and I, you could see Arizona State's interior line not understanding how to block him early. And so he was getting penetration. They got better as time went on. But, um, you know, even in the run game, he was driving some of these linemen backwards, filling gaps, two-gapping. Like, not a player I really had on my list before the season. Like, oh, I got to check out Tyler Lacey from Oklahoma State. But after your article and then watching him again, I'm like, man, this guy's really good and just, uh, you know, sailing up my board here. He has spurts where he just takes over uh, on the inside. And, you know, it's a rare quality for an interior defensive lineman to be able to do that. So uh, it's, it's been it was it was eye opening to me and then obviously eye opening to you. Tyler Lacey, Oklahoma State. Uh, everybody needs to keep an eye out for him going forward. Uh, but we've talked about some pass rushers here, Shane. So that's going to bring us to our. Uh, debate of this week, and we're going to look at the top five edge rushers uh, available to date for the uh, 2023 NFL Draft. As always, this is a fluid list, but uh, we find ourselves, like last week, Shane, uh, in agreement on one through four. So, man, you know, look, we're we're, we're like we, you know, we were not lockstep like this last year, Shane. It's we've no. we've had a, a year together now. We're we're we're, we're thinking alike. <laughs> But uh, number one here is no doubt about it. I think I think we both agree he's probably going to go bell to bell here uh, as the number one overall prospect, barring injury. Uh, not dissimilar from Kayvon Thibodeau for me a year ago. Uh, but that's Will Anderson, uh, the edge rusher from Alabama. Now you did mention this week he has some warts. Not a perfect prospect by any means, uh, but there's just things he does on that field, man. That that you don't see often at all. It's, it's rare, rare skill set from Will Anderson. It, it is just the, the explosiveness, the way that he bends is unlike anything that I've seen from a pass rusher. Um, you know, since, since I started scouting, like he, he can just lean around these offensive linemen and doesn't give up much ground. He doesn't need a wide angle to do it. So he gets to the quarterback so quickly. Uh, it, it's just crazy to me. You know, I, I think the, I think he's going to go top five. I think number one overall is within play. If the team doesn't need a quarterback because you don't get these type of pass rushers all that often. I have an article coming out this week. Like, is he a generational talent and kind of talking about generational talents and William Anderson, like, is he on that level? Um, I won't spoil it. You know, but I think, you know, he's not as big as a Chase Young or the Bosa's, but he plays like it. And I think that's uh, that that's that's pretty huge, especially against these SEC. Like he's played against NFL linemen and he's dominated them. And that that's what you want to see. Uh, that's coming out Friday uh, for everybody listening on, at DraftCountdown.com. Uh, Shane's going to talk about Will Anderson there. Uh, number two for both of us on our list is Georgia edge rusher Nolan Smith. And you would not think that we would be sitting here talking about Georgia edge rushers again after last year when they have three players from that defensive line drafted in the first round, including the number one overall pick, Trayvon Walker. But you could have heard some people make that argument last year that Nolan Smith might have been the best pass rusher of all of them. 
I think he was the most consistent last season from, you know, start of the season to the finish. You know, he got some opportunities there, um, you know, mid season to start and didn't look back. Like he, he was a former number one overall recruit. I mean, he is athletically super gifted. Um, I was a little disappointed in the Oregon game this year. I, I thought he struggled a bit. Um, the Oregon kind of moved a lot of what they were doing away from him, I think on purpose, but even so, um, I think last year shows you just the the pass rushing, the explosive ability, and he's someone that has a couple different moves. That's what he really didn't have before last season. He never could get on the field because he would just he would just try to go. He just try to use his athleticism. Now he's starting to gain strength. He last year, I think uh, I think the sky's the limit. I hope to see him more involved in this defense here as Georgia gets into the SEC schedule. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Um... And you'll see him this week. Uh, we'll talk about that in a little bit. I won't see him because I'll be driving. We'll also talk <laughs> about that. Uh, <laughs> number three for both of us on this list is Clemson edge rusher Miles Murphy, who I uh, was called out upon during our live draft coverage uh, on day three when I had no idea who Miles Murphy was. Did not have a clue. I have since watched him. And uh, unlike Will Anderson and even Nolan Smith, uh, Miles Murphy has that prototypical uh, NFL defensive end size at 6'5", 275. He's listed. Uh, and he's also got, you know, got the power that you look for. But he can, uh, he can get around that edge too and uh, plays very well in the run game as well. Maybe one of the more well-rounded guys here. Uh, in the top five uh, picks, but Miles Murphy, a um, lot, lot to like there um, if he didn't play at Clemson. Yeah, and he's he's just another tie end recruit, so he has the athleticism. He's I mean he's big. I think he's listed two seventy five, which for an edge rusher, you're like uh, is that too big? Uh, he might kind of be a little bit of that tweener. Do you put him inside? Do you move him around the line? I think NFL defenses now are so complex that you can utilize those kind of players. Um, like you said, he's well-rounded because he has the athleticism. He has the the brute strength as well. Um, so, you know, he he is – you watch him, he just jumps off the film, even around a lot of good players. Um, I'm, I'm hoping, you know, that we can uh, we kind of see him play a little bit more here. I think he's been banged up here and there um, this season so far. So I'm hoping – I'm hopeful we'll get some Miles Murphy here for soon, very soon. Uh, number four for both of us on, on our list is a guy I think we could have easily seen come out last year and been a first-round pick maybe is uh, Notre Dame's Isaiah Foskey. Um, he's also uh, got good size, listed at 6'5", 260. And I know uh, Scott, if he's listening, he'll be happy. We've, we've brought up Notre Dame in a well, well-to-do fashion instead of talking about them losing to Marshall like we did earlier. But uh, what, what's there to like about Isaiah Foskey? Well, I think he plays really smart. Um, they have him stand up sometimes. The 265, he gets up the speed real quick. He gets a full head of steam. Uh, and, you know, he definitely knows the opposing linemen, what their tendencies are, what their weaknesses are. You can see him do different things every week last year. That's what I was impressed with. I'm not sure he's the best athlete or going to be this dominant pass rusher, you know, but he sets the edge really well. He plays smart. Uh, he, he did struggle against Ohio State up against Paris Johnson. I thought it was not his best game. I didn't think he was like awful, um, 
But, you know, so that, that's my one fear with him is the upside. But I think Isaiah Foskey is going to be one of those players that plays in the NFL for a long time and starts and has good stats and, you know, maybe never is the all pro that you want. Yeah. And uh, so we finally have some differing opinions here. Number five for you um, is another one of the smaller, I say, I hesitate to say smaller, but, you know, not your prototypical size defensive end, but it's BJ Ojolari from LSU. Third-year player, 6'3", 245. Uh, younger brother, I assume he's a younger brother, of uh, Aziz Ojolari, who's, I think, entering his second year in the NFL now. Yeah, I, I just think B.J. Ojolari's, like, closing speed and athleticism is excellent. Uh, you know, he had – he was in the backfield against Florida State. You know, he – didn't get a sack, but he was he was back there. He was pressuring Jordan Travis and moving him around. Didn't play this past week. Um, but, I mean, last season, as a true second-year sophomore, uh, I was just blown away. Like, man, this this dude uh, is really, really good. And in that bowl game, he was – if you remember, LSU didn't – like, no one played. And B.J. Gillard played, and he was, like, the only good <laughs> defender on the team. You know, he was trying to do everything. He got a sack. He was chasing Skylar Thompson around. Like, you know, he he has a pretty good motor, and the closing speed just wows me. Um, so I think from a, a pass rush standpoint, I think there are players who are better than him, right, from, a you know, everything else. But I think from a pass rush standpoint, I'm not sure there's anyone else I'd put above him um, outside my top five. Yeah, he's one I'm I'm looking forward to uh to watching at some point. I haven't really put my eyes on him just yet. Uh a guy who I put my eyes on this week uh wasn't on my schedule, but I was like, you know what, I can squeeze this in. And so I squeezed in the UTSA Army game uh this week and I moved this guy all the way up to edge five for me, and that's Army Andre Carter the second. Uh, I was blown away uh, by what I saw from this guy. And you don't really see players like this at service academies. Not anymore, no. anyway. And this guy's 6'7", 260, but moves like he's, you know, 20, 25 pounds lighter. And it's just they stand him up, and he looks more comfortable standing up, which is the crazy part to me. You would think, you know, a guy that size – would, would be much more comfortable hand on the ground. But no, this guy looks better standing up than he does. He can move in space. He can cover. I mean, it's 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 amazing to me that this guy, uh, I, I don't know, did he have a late growth spurt or something? I'm not sure how this worked out. Like, how did he not end up at, like, a non-service academy? I don't know how this worked out. But I was blown away by his talent. Uh, two sacks against UTSA. He, I believe he had a couple sacks in their week one game as well. Uh, just just a stud, and I can't wait to watch more of him this season. Yeah, I, you know, he is super interesting. Like you said, the size is intriguing for sure. And, I, you know, I, I, I just – I'm circling October 8th on my calendar because last year against Wake Forest, I didn't think he played well. It's like the one game I'm like, okay, like this is where you really get to see him shine. But um, the UTSA game, man, he was on fire. <laughs> that was a good, that was a good one for you to watch. Uh, he had hit a couple sacks in that game. Just he he can take over a game like that. It's wild. 
Yeah, I said I, I do they they play Wake again on the eighth? Yes. Yeah. Okay. I'll uh so so yeah, I have to see what the rest of their schedule looks like. I'm 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 gonna try to find some strategic because all their games are televised, so it's very easy to find, but it's uh I have to find some some more specific this one just happened to pop up. And I was like, okay, I've got time. But yeah, what a what a player! Uh, can't wait to see more Andre Carter. Um, so the schedule is going to be a little different this week, Shane, and next week for that matter. Uh, as I have decided to take a vacation in the middle of football season, and I will be at the wonderful Walt Disney World in Orlando for the next eight days, starting on Saturday. Uh, so I am going to DVR a couple of games each weekend so I can, you know, have some stuff to talk about when I get back. But, uh, we're going to talk about, uh, next week's podcast, uh, at the end of the show. So seven games from you, uh, two games from me this week. And I think it's going to line up similar next week as well, but, uh, we're going to start with, uh, this is Friday night on ESPN at six 30. Uh, Florida State and Louisville. I've watched Louisville uh, twice now. Uh, this will be your first time, but uh, I believe the first time we've talked about Florida State this year. And I'm anxious to see if we can see any progression from Jordan Travis, the quarterback position. That's a guy I'm uh, looking forward to seeing if you see anything in this week. I've uh, And Jared Verse, obviously, the uh, you talked about him uh already the uh, Albany transfer. So those are a couple players to see. Matter of fact, Jared Verse against Trevor Reed might be a good matchup, the uh, Louisville offensive tackle to look forward to this week. And uh, hopefully Malik Cunningham plays better for you than he has for me the last two weeks because he has been awful. <laughs> I'm not sure if uh, I'm not sure if he will, but um, no, I mean, look, I, after Jared Verse week one, I'm excited for that. And Louisville has a couple guys in the secondary, secondary um, control Clark, is is pretty good. I'm interested in him. And one guy that I do want to really want to watch is um, Tyler Hudson, the receiver, transferred to Louisville from Central Arkansas. I had him on my radar coming into the year, so I want to see if if he's an NFL guy. I, I think this will be a good game. And Friday night, I always need something to watch, so it's be good. Yeah, Friday night I'll be packing and trying to go to sleep. I will not be watching any games Friday night. <laughs> Um, Saturday morning, a game I would have watched if I would were not traveling much to my chagrin. But hey, maybe I will be saved from from this one after the physical toll that South Carolina took last week against Arkansas. Not going to get any better when they host Georgia this week, 11 a.m. on ESPN. Um, but there is one South Carolina player that I think you will be happy to hear is is coming on like gangbusters. And that's uh, Juice Wales, the James Madison transfer. Eight catches last week for 180. He leads the SEC in receiving yards through two, to, through two weeks. Uh, and also your man Marshawn Lloyd has uh, started to – looks like he's back to full health, Shane, the uh, third-year running back uh, for the Gamecocks. Uh, but I don't know – What's going to happen with them against Georgia this week? Probably not good. Yeah, I think it's going to be tough. And I, I am excited. To, I am excited to see these weapons for South Carolina. I mean, and you you introduced me to Jaheim Bell last year. For some reason, he's just been running the football. Like, can you throw to him a little bit more? <laughs> like, might help no against target. Georgia. 
He had no targets last week, but had five carries. He's a tight end. Throw him the and that would be what I would want to do against Georgia. I feel like Alabama had success came a lot to last year, but you know, Georgia has a ton of players. Talk Nolan Smith, Jalen Carter's their defensive lineman is probably going to be a top five pick. Um, and I mean, I'm even interested to see the running backs a little bit because Kenny McIntosh is kind of taking that James Cook role and looks excellent um, in that role. And then Kendall Milton, the, the another running back that's kind of that straightforward, more traditional Georgia running back. That's super intriguing. They have some offensive linemen that have shot to get drafted. It's it's just it's just Georgia again. There's just so many players that could get drafted here, uh, hoping to have them stand out. I'm going to bring this up, but I feel like because it has been in the Twitterverse here the last couple of weeks, Senior Role Executive Director Jim Nagy has beaten that drum for Stetson Bennett the fourth as a NFL – prospect quarterback i'm not buying it week one week one was good i'm week one he looked like an nfl quarterback i don't know if it's gonna last we'll see but oregon's no slouch i mean it was a good team he played against so he looked a lot better last year i'm with you last year i was like no way but he could be Um, aj mccarron he could he could be this week by the way Oh, oh man! As he uh, he left the game injured against Arkansas, uh, I think they're keeping that one close to the vest and not announcing that he's not going to play. But I'm it's the the corner from South Carolina, potential first round pick. Yikes! And speaking of prospects that probably should have came out last year, uh, wide receiver Josh Van through two games, no catches, no targets against uh, Arkansas. Yeah, that's I, I don't understand. Zach Pickens play at least last week. Yes, and he was at 12 tackles. All right, excellent, excellent. That's good. Uh, <laughs> Probably because they ran a lot. <laughs> Makes sense. Yeah. Uh, one of the games I am recording this week uh, to watch when I get back is 11 a.m. on the Big Ten Network, Western Kentucky at Indiana. And uh, the rare D2 to FBS transfer quarterback Austin Reed coming up from the University of West Florida, where he had a lot of success and has had success uh, thus far in the uh, 2022 season uh, going against Indiana. And uh, I am a fan of their corner, Taiwan Mullen, as well uh, as a couple of other uh, guys on their team. So anxious to to, uh, just kind of watch that one a little bit when I get back. No, I think it's a good one. It's, you know, Tyler Mullen, Jalen Williams, or other corners, not bad. Matthew Bedford, the left left tackle, I believe, from for Indiana, um, solid. And uh, yeah, it seems like Joshua Simon is back for Western Kentucky, their tight end, who has been missed all last season. Missed all last season, so I'm, I'm interested to hear what you have to say about him too. And uh, is that a Western Michigan transfer wide receiver, Jalen Hall? Am I, is that correct? Yes, I believe that's correct. Uh, 2.30 on Fox on Saturday, BYU at Oregon. Shane, you will be watching this one. Uh, I watched Oregon in week one against Georgia. Officially, you watched it as well also, obviously. But uh, And I've also watched BYU. So I, BYU is without Gunnar Romney and uh, Puka Nakua, their other wide receiver, who looked really good uh, in their first game. Uh, so anxious to see if – 
they play. Um, any doubt in your mind that Jaron Hall is the better of the two quarterbacks in this game? No, I, I mean, it's not even close, right? I, I think I, I don't, I couldn't even do the math quick enough in my rankings to tell the difference between Jaron Hall, uh, you know, and and Bo Nix. It's it's pretty bad. It's like forty spots. Yeah. So some good linebackers in this game as well. Uh, Oregon's got a handful with uh, Noah Sewell and Justin Flo and Masafuna. Uh, three good linebackers there. BYU with uh, Peyton Wilgar also as well. So good linebacker play in this game. I think it's going to be a really close game. I think his teams match up really well. And Justin Flo had a good game against Georgia. He's maybe finally coming into his own. He he has that NFL athleticism. And uh, I really like Oregon's offensive line. And they have some decent offensive linemen, TJ Bass, the the guard, uh, Alex Forsythe, the center. So should be good. Uh, 2.30 on ABC, you'll be watching Mississippi at Georgia Tech. Um, a couple of guys from Georgia Tech, uh, maybe. Uh, I, I didn't see it with Jeff Sims when I was watching their game against Clemson. I'm, I'm not – not seeing much there as far as the NFL prospects go. Uh, but for the Rebels there, um, Zach Evans, Ulysses Bennett, Bentley, the fourth at running back, both of those guys are draftable players uh, at the running back. And, well, Evans could be a top five running back in this class uh, as well. So, I, yeah, those guys. Yeah, I mean, you know, transfer from TCU, it's a better opportunity. I've actually bumped him down my rankings a little bit um, this week, but I think he's still a heck of a player, potential first-round running back, probably second. Um, Mississippi has some good interior linemen. I love Nick Brokers, my top guard, and Jeremy James, their other uh, you know, their other interior lineman, uh, who I think is playing center now, perhaps. Um, I could be wrong there, but you know, he, I have him rated pretty highly. And then uh, for Georgia Tech, Keon White is a player I liked early, and then he kind of did nothing. And then he had two sacks against Clemson. He abused their freshman offensive tackle, had a sack last week. So definitely a guy I want to watch to see, can he keep this going against Mississippi with a better offensive line, I think, the best they played. Um, I have to ask this because we had a couple instances where you uh, picked the wrong games. But uh, Missouri State at Arkansas, 6 p.m. on SEC Network Plus. Is this one of them cases? Or this is you... not. This is not. I like I like Montre Braswell, the corner from Missouri State. And okay. I, I haven't really watched, you know, I, I watched. I haven't really watched Arkansas yet. So, I don't know. I, I'll, I'll watch it and see what happens. Okay. Just, just making sure, Shane. Yeah, that's fine. That's fine. Look, it's, it's worth Texas it. Texas last year. We just want to clarify, uh, I can tell you this: it would not shock me if all five offensive line or four the the four draft eligible offensive linemen for Arkansas if they were all drafted. And I think Ricky Stromberg is uh, top one hundred pick. Oh center. wow, nice! Uh, big fan of of there, and and uh, I know he's not draft eligible this year, but uh, I was made aware of the presence of Raheem Sanders last week. And I don't know how <laughs> I don't know how you call a 240 pound running back rocket, but here we are, and uh, that guy is a stud, man. And uh, ooh, uh, I, I don't know what the running, rest of the running back class looks like for 2024, um, but he's got to be up there high. I mean, I think he's 
in competition with Travion Henderson from Ohio State and Braylon Allen from Wisconsin. I think those are the kind of the big three for next year's class. So another good running back class potentially at the top. Um, I'm like interested to see his linemen because I haven't really watched their interior linemen uh, outside of Stromberg too much for Arkansas. So I'll, I'll put a little focus on some of those in this game for sure. Well, this might not be the game to. Uh, I guess that's true. To but. see the best of that, uh, they were without safety Miles Slusher last week. I'm not sure if he's going to make it back for this week or not. We talked about Catalan uh, being out, but Latavius Brini, the uh, Georgia transfer, uh, filled in uh, nicely uh, in that secondary for them last week. Uh, also, came away impressed with Drew Sanders, uh, the edge rusher from Arkansas. Uh, I believe he's an Alabama transfer. Is that right? Yes. Yeah. He's, he's a good player. Uh, really, really good. Uh, the other game I'm watching or recording this week to watch later, uh, SMU at Maryland, uh, 6.30 p.m. on FS1. And um, I'm a big fan of the Maryland receiving core. Obviously, I love uh, Dante Demas uh, from last year before the injury. Uh, Jacob Copeland, a transfer from Florida, I think, is a solid player as well. And Raheem Jarrett, is, I think, is – chance to be a uh, could work his way into the first round conversation uh, but their linebacker Ruben Hippolyte is as I'm way higher on him than most I think I've got him at linebacker three right now uh, big fan of his uh, from from watching them play last year uh, so anxious to get my first look at Maryland this year and SMU as well has got players you know I like I'm Tanner Mordecai I think uh, look good the games I watched them a year ago the quarterback for SMU uh, Rasheed Rice could be that uh, sneaky top 100 uh, wide receiver there that comes down to the senior bowl and just blows everybody away. Could be that type of player. And, uh, you know, a couple other players for SMU that aren't bad as well. Yeah, their defensive lineman, Elijah Chapman, I think has a shot to get drafted. It's funny, Maryland, they have all these good receivers talking about Jarrett and Copeland, Dante Dimas, but uh, Jay Sean Jones is their leading receiver right now, another not, another draft-eligible receiver. So they, they, they're they just, like, stacked and are picking people apart. But, pr- you know, probably the highlight for Maryland is Jalen Duncan, their offensive tackle, just this, like, super athletic big player who, you know, pretty raw last year. There were games, especially early on, where if you watch him, you're like, oof, you know, it's rough. But if you watch some of the later games, he really, really improved. And I think so far this season has played really well, played well, you know, it's Charlotte and Buffalo, but, you know, played well. Um, so we'll see if that sticks against SMU. Uh, 8 p.m. on ESPN. And Shane, if you are recording this on your DVR, also record whatever's on ESPN News at 8 o'clock. Because okay. – the ESPN windows for this one, they have another game that kicks off at five will in no way be over by eight o'clock. So uh, go ahead and set ESPN news to record at, uh, <laughs> at 8 p.m. if you want to see the entire game. Um, but I watched Miami last week against um, Southern Miss. So this is obviously a much bigger test for them. But A&M lost last week to – App State, as we talked about earlier. So how are they going to react? Um, and why can't they get good quarterback play? Uh, Haynes King has struggled these first two weeks to get anything going. Um, Devin Aching last week had a kick return for touchdown um, for A&M. So 
just I, – I don't know, man. Uh, Tyler Van Dyke, I, I didn't think, looked that great last week against Southern Miss either. He had some some mechanical issues. I'll say that. Yeah, I think that's the problem with with him, you know, where he is not consistent. He's not throwing the ball the same way every time. Um, and he's going to have to do it here because Texas A&M, I know they lost last week, but like they, they have some good players. I, I don't think they're going to – lay down especially defensively uh jalen jones their corner antonio johnson their safety he's johnson's a potential first round pick jones a potential top 100 pick um you know really good and they have a decent offensive line i think they're just missed they're kind of missing that big running back right devin the chain is uh a nice you know he is explosive he could be a top 100 guy just based off speed one of those weapon types but they haven't you know they're not using any type of bigger running back in the middle. So I'm interested to see. I mean, Miami is interesting because um, I think they have a lot of like good players, but not many great players. Uh, you know, we've talked about their Zion Nelson, their offensive tackle. I thought played kind of poorly last season. And so I, I think they have some younger guys that aren't even draft eligible. They're probably better than a lot um, than a lot of the players out here. So this would be a good test. I, there's a lot of a lot of guys I want to see in this game. Finally, uh, late night Saturday, 10 p.m. on Fox Sports 1, North Dakota State at Arizona. North Dakota State is favored by one point on the road as an FCS team at a Power 5 team in Arizona. And I got to say, after watching Arizona last week against Mississippi State, which was one of the sloppiest played football games I've ever seen in my life, uh, I wouldn't be surprised if North Dakota State gets the Duke here. Uh, but, yeah, Jaden DeLora, I don't know, it was just all over the place last week. But they've got Arizona's got some good uh, pass rushers: uh, Jalen Harris, Hunter Eccles, a couple of good players there. Uh, Christian Roland Wallace, solid at the corner spot. Uh, but I think this is more for you and your some of these North Dakota State players, right? And uh, fullback Hunter Lupke, uh tight end Noah Gendorf. Uh, so and Cody Mouch, the uh, offensive tackle as well. Some 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 really good players uh, for the Bison. Yeah, I, I think the Spice team's going to have a couple players in the NFL, one or two get drafted. Uh, you know, like Noah Gendorf I was talking about last year, he didn't end up not declaring. You know, he's probably a late-round pick, but I think to, uh, I think he can come out and be a contributor in the NFL. I, I do like some Arizona guys. Um, Jordan Morgan, their offensive tackle, I liked him a lot last year, so I wanted to see him play uh, against Cody Mosh. And... Jacob Cowling, their receiver who transferred from UTEP, man. I mean, he is, he has NFL athletic ability. He like, he, he's, he's the a one guy holding this team, this offense together. I feel like he has four, he has four touchdowns. I think that's every passing touchdown that they've had. Uh, no, it's four out of the five. So, I mean, he, he is the guy and he, if they win, it's going to be on Jacob Cowling's back. He's a name to know if, if you don't. I can tell you that if they wrote a book on how not to play a football game, that game that I watched last week would have been top five 
on the teaching tape there. Uh, so are you buying North Dakota State continuing their FBS winning streak here? Yes, I, I think so. I, I just I think Dolores is not good enough and North Dakota State's gonna they're just gonna grind grind it down and win by like a field goal, I think. I, I can't pick them for the lock of the week. No, not for the lock of the week. I think they win though. Speaking of lock of the week, Shane, congrats. You're on the the board. Uh, Not that you didn't have to sweat it out. Oh, my goodness. But uh, Tennessee wins it in overtime by seven, covers the six and a half. So, Shane, now one and two, where I am now three and oh, after after Duke gets the outright win, being a 10-point dog last week. Um, So, yeah, I am three and oh. And I this week I just talked up how great Maryland was, Shane. You heard all that, right? How great all these offensive weapons from Maryland. So you're picking Maryland, right? SMU. Oh, the road as a road dog, two and a half point underdogs. I think SMU wins this one outright on the road. Wow, wow! I actually considered taking Maryland in this game. Uh, so we've never done that. I don't think we've ever gone against each other in lock of the week, but. Uh, I considered it. I did not do that. I didn't like this one, by the way. I, I am I am not, despite the gravitas in my voice, this, I am not convinced. It could, it could happen. Though. Like, it could happen. I could see I could see SME's offense just lighting it up. So, Who uh, is your lock of the week this week, Shane? I'm, I'm going to the Big Ten. Uh, uh, well, Big Ten team to lose here because it's been rough. Uh, for to an ACC team, and I'm taking Syracuse minus one and a half at home against Purdue. I think Purdue's offense, uh, Charlie Jones, pretty good, but I, th- I think Syracuse, man, your boy Sean Tucker has looked really good. I think Garrett Schrader can run around a little bit. I think Purdue's weak this year and ripe for the taking. So I'm, I'm going Syracuse to win this one. We'll see. New, we'll see what happens. New OC for the Orange. Garrett Schrader's been. Something else for them this year in these first two games. Uh, yeah, I, I like it. Syracuse minus uh, one and a half here. Um, these odds, by the way, provided to us by FanDuel. Uh, you can go to FanDuel.com and get those odds. Shane, uh, we answered a lot of questions last week. Uh, we don't have a lot of questions this week. So, you know, that's okay. We went long last week, so that's fine. Yeah. But – uh. The one question we do have in the draft countdown discord is from our colleague Miranda, who would like to know uh, our thoughts on Virginia Tech's football program moving forward. And if they'll ever, if we ever think they'll turn this ship around. I mean, I mean, I mean, look, they, they got, uh, they lost old dominion, which was pretty sad, but they got the win against Boston college last week. Um, you know, I think the problem with Virginia Tech, right, back in the Michael Vick days, I mean, I remember Virginia Tech was a perennial top 10 team, Big East, um, going to, to pick games with Larry Fitzgerald against Virginia Tech. Like, they, they just haven't been able to recruit the way that they used to. Even the players that I thought last year were, like, good end up not going to the NFL um, and, and make mental mistakes. I, I think I don't think Virginia Tech's going to get to where they used to be, at least for a long time. Um, mostly because you, they can't get the quarterback play in there. They can't get the skill position play that they used to. There's no one on that team that, like, strikes fear into me. Um, so, 
Yeah, I, I think it's going to be a while. I think they're really going to need a coach to come in there and remake what the offense looks like and what the team looks like, try to win a little bit and bump up recruiting. They need someone that can recruit players, really. Yeah, they've got to stop letting everybody come into the Tidewater area there and get the players that they used to get. And that's kind of the problem. Ohio State and Alabama and everybody's coming in there now, coming in their backyard and getting those guys. And the same, and you can apply the same logic to Virginia as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, rough yeah. year for them this year. Yeah, that's they haven't been too good. But uh, so I mean, I guess the state of Virginia can just hang its hat on James Madison, who, despite not even having eighty-five scholarships, is you know beating the crap out of everybody. To the point that they ran, they basically they had a ten minute fourth quarter in their game on Saturday. Yeah, man, that their their receiver Chris Thornton is something else. He just no one can cover him. It's it's so it's so wild. James Madison moving up and like actually doing really well is awesome. Yeah. So uh, that's it. Uh, talked about it earlier. Final thoughts here. Uh, I will not be here on the podcast next week. Um, as I will be at Disney's Hollywood Studios on Wednesday night next week. So, um, but yeah, we are we are leaving on Saturday morning very early and driving to Orlando from here. It's about an eight and a half hour drive. And uh, we'll be down there until the following Sunday. So I will miss two weeks of college and NFL football. Um, but hey, it's going to be, we're going to have a great time as we always do. Um down at, down at Disney. But next week, Shane, uh, Nino Brown's going to be on here to uh, join us. Nino's from? Uh, yeah, to, Toilets to Titles. Uh, I, that's where I know him from. And it's you know, a fantasy football podcast. They have like a podcast every day. I've been, I've been on a ton. So Nino's a good guy. You will, you will love his accent. He has a, a strong Boston accent. So you'll get to hear that next week. That will be a change from my strong Southern accent. <laughs> <laughs> it'll be very different, but uh, it'll be good. And, you know, loves Kentucky. Big, yeah. big Kentucky will love us fans. We'll have to, you know, talk about that, I guess. Yeah. Well, we will definitely have to do that. So the format should be similar, uh, just not me next week. So, yeah. I'll, I'll, when, I, when I host, I'm going to. You know, when you come back, I'm going to be like, Brian, don't please don't leave again. Just uh, every every time I have a co-host that leaves and I have to do the hosting, I'm like, this this was not good. I'm not doing good. So, uh, anything from you uh, before we, we check out here, Shane? No, just you know, subscribe to the YouTube channel, YouTube.com/slash The Draft Countdown. Um, more subscribers, the better. Even if you have a you don't use YouTube, like it would be helpful to us. Um, and yeah, just reach out, join the Discord, and reach out and hang out on on game day. I should be able to hang out on Saturday and talk about the game. It's gonna be fun. Yeah, uh, Dwayne asked a question quickly, and we'll, we'll get to that. Um, who do you think Nebraska will target to replace Scott Frost, or who should they target? We'll see. Um, that's a good question. It, you know. I, it's tough. I'm actually kind of interested to see how Mickey Joseph does. Like, I don't think Nebraska is going to be a team that's going to let him, you know, stick around. But, um, you know, he has, he has some good experience with some good, like, 
good LSU receivers. I think he's a good coach. So I'm actually excited to see him coach a little bit and see if he can turn turn things around. Um, I said my problem with Nebraska is I don't want to go too long, but my, my problem with Nebraska is like I don't know what level of coach they can target. Like they're not going to get you know Matt Campbell to leave Iowa State to go to Nebraska anymore. I just don't think they're at that level. Um, you know I don't know what, what what's the best option. Maybe is like Troy Calhoun, the Air Force coach, something like that. I, I don't know. I tell you a guy I think they should target because he kind of runs a modern day version of what they used to run during the Tommy Frazier days, and that's Coastal Carolina's Jamie Chadwell. I think that offense and his style of basically because he's not gonna at Nebraska, you're not gonna get the four and five star guy, a lot of them. So you need a guy that can develop. And I think his style would fit the the that type of offense and maybe bring Nebraska back or give Nebraska fans a semblance of you know the old days. Yeah it's just interesting because I don't know if he'd even go. Like like I don't is that really the job that you that you want. I think it's also funny that uh we both picked like gimmick offenses. Like I picked the triple option coach and you pick you know the the RPO coach like that's kind of what Nebraska needs is something to even the They need a gimmick. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right. So Shane mentioned everybody subscribe to the YouTube channel, hit the notification bell and all that good stuff. If you listen to us on audio, give us a five-star review and uh, tell your friends and all that good stuff. Uh, we, we, we need to get the word out about the podcast. On Twitter, you can follow me at Deep Fried Draft. You can follow Shane at Shane P. Hallam. You can follow Draft Countdown at Draft Countdown. And as always, everything you need to know in regards to the NFL draft, draftcountdown.com. Until next time, everybody, uh, Shane, don't let the house burn down. Later.